заглушить вам, не заглушить вам голос народа, голос правды, который звучит и будет звучать. Конец могила колониальному рабству. Долой его и похоронить его, чем глубже, тем лучше. That was Soviet Premier Khrushchev reminding us that the Cold War was still going strong in the 1960s. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis and you're listening to episode 42 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Satellite Killer, Poyot 1. The space age had barely begun when Soviet engineers began planning ways to knock down enemy satellites. Some Western analysts have speculated that a design for an anti-satellite weapon system was started at Korolev's OKB-1 bureau as early as 1956. But, according to Khrushchev's memoirs, Vladimir Chalomi, a Soviet science, aviation, and missile engineer, conceived the idea of a satellite destroyer in 1959. In either case, we do know for certain that in April of 1960, Premier Khrushchev held a meeting at his summer home in Crimea to discuss several defense industry issues. Among those present was Vladimir Chalomi, who outlined his own program of rocket and spacecraft development, essentially competing with the projects carried out by Korolev and his design bureau. The result of the April 1960 Crimean conference was Khrushchev's approval to develop the UR-200 ballistic missile, which was proposed as a versatile launcher. Chalomi promoted the launch vehicle as an integral part of a system capable of serving as an ICBM and as a space launcher, with one of its possible payloads being the satellite killer. Then, on May 1, 1960, destiny took over. A Soviet anti-aircraft missile shot down an American U-2 spy plane flying a reconnaissance mission over the Soviet Union. The loss of the aircraft and the high-profile diplomatic scandal that followed prompted President Eisenhower to stop any further overflights of Soviet airspace something he had only reluctantly allowed previously. This was very bad news for the U.S. intelligence community. The U-2 flights had provided a major source of information about the Soviets. This forced the U.S. intelligence community to begin looking at orbiting satellites as the next instrument for gathering intelligence data about the deployments of Soviet ICBMs and activities at the test sites. With the U-2 flights stopped, Khrushchev and his subordinates correctly anticipated that the U.S. would attempt to use spy satellites to monitor the Soviet Union. But Khrushchev was determined to prevent orbital spy missions over Soviet territory. And he was also concerned about the emerging threat of the American 
satellite interceptor project, codenamed SAINT. Project SA-INT, pronounced SAINT, stood for Satellite Interceptor. It was a large, classified U.S. Air Force program begun in the late 1950s covering a wide range of technologies for interception, inspection, and destruction of enemy spacecraft. After studies in the 1950s, a development contract was let to Radio Corporation of America, RCA, at the end of 1960. Phase 1 of SAINT would have weighed 1,100 kilograms and been launched by an Atlas D. Phase 2 would have been twice as big and launched by an Atlas Centaur. The project was made public in 1960 and it was eventually canceled in 1962. Now returning to the Soviet Union in 1960. Khrushchev solicited proposals from the industry to study the possibilities of intercepting and destroying enemy satellites. Similar to their American counterparts, Soviet engineers initially considered piloted space fighters armed with missiles. Prominent leaders of the Soviet aviation industry, including Vladimir Myasev and later Vladimir Chalome, proposed orbital space planes, but their ideas were too far-fetched for that era. In the interim, the Soviet Union settled on a remotely controlled robotic spacecraft. Chief designer Sergei Korolev pushed for his flight-proven R-7 ICBM to carry an interceptor that would be sent on an exact collision course with its target. However, Chalome argued for a self-guided orbital vehicle that would enter the proximity of an enemy satellite, explode, and pierce its target with shrapnel. Next, Khrushchev turned up the political heat with his October 12, 1960 speech to the United Nations. Конец могила колониальному рабству. Долой его и похоронить его чем глубже, тем лучше. Here's the translated version of his speech. Quote, you will not be able to strangle the voice of the people, which roars out and will continue to be heard. Down with colonial slavery. The sooner we bury it and the deeper the better." End quote. The next year, 1961, the Kremlin approved Chalome's concept for the robotic satellite killer. It was called Istrabito Sputnikov, which roughly translates as satellite destroyer. The spacecraft would sport 17 thrusters to make any conceivable maneuver in orbit. It would be supported by a complex network of ground stations spread over several time zones in the Soviet Union. The ground stations would be used for tracking enemy satellites and guiding the killer to its target. The top secret command post for the system was located in the Moscow suburb of Nogitsk, 
A pair of guidance stations were deployed in the Siberian town of Irkutsk and near Lake Balkash in Kakistan. Chalomi's OKB-52 group was responsible for the satellite killer spacecraft and its UR-200 launch vehicle. The overall development of the anti-satellite system was delegated to the team led by Antoli Savin at KB-1, which was involved in the development of anti-missile defense systems. Savin and his deputy Vlasko developed a compact radar installation which would determine the mutual positions of the target and the killer satellite, and they developed a command transmission system. In the meantime, while the satellite killer was under development, the Soviets pursued diplomatic efforts to extend the boundaries of the country's airspace beyond the atmosphere. But this effort did not find much support in the international community. In 1962, while Soviet newspaper headlines proclaimed the great successes of cosmonauts and called for peaceful exploration of space, the Soviet Union was focusing much of its space effort on the killer satellite. According to Vladimir Polanchenko, a leading engineer in the Satellite Killer Project, Chalomi led daily meetings on the status of its development. And in February of 1963, the Kremlin leadership, including Nikita Khrushchev and Leonid Brezhnev, visited Chalomi's facility to see the work being done on the first satellite killer. As a demonstration, Polyanchenko showed Khrushchev a huge terrestrial globe covered by a web of blinking satellite orbits. This was designed to illustrate how the satellite interceptor would work. Khrushchev liked what he saw very much. In 1963, the 1400-kilogram Poyot-1 satellite killer was completed. It had three main components. First, a cylindrical guidance section that also contained scientific instruments, a telemetry system, and radio transmitters. Second, the engine section, which included spherical propellant tanks. And third, the forward section, which included the warhead. It was equipped with six 400 kilogram force engines and 16 1 kilogram force veneers to allow for maneuverability in space. Poyot 1 was capable of changing its inclination as well as its apogee and perigee. In other words, it could change its orbital parameters to hunt down an enemy satellite. It was the first satellite in history that was capable of changing its orbit. This was the operational procedure. First, a target satellite would be detected. Next, a missile containing the satellite interceptor was launched into orbit close to the targeted satellite. The missile would be guided by onboard radar. It was expected to take 90 to 200 minutes, or one to two orbits, for the satellite killer to get close enough to its target. Once the killer came within one kilometer of its target, 
the warhead would explode, destroying the target or shrapnel. The launch vehicle for Poyot 1 was supposed to be Chalome's UR-200, but it was delayed and one of Korolev's R-7s was used in its place. On November 1, 1963, Poyot 1 successfully launched from Baikonur Launch Complex LC-31. It entered an elliptical orbit with an apogee of 1,420 kilometers and a perigee of 331 kilometers. The official mission objective was to test the anti-satellite controls and propulsion system. Of course, the unofficial objective was to determine where the Soviets could approach an enemy satellite and destroy it. The flight was considered a great success. The micro-engine fired 350 times, and the main stabilizing engine fired 300 times. Of course, the warhead compartment was empty for this mission. Poyot 1 successfully changed its inclination, apogee, and perigee. This was a new space first. This mission also set off a decades-long race to develop and deploy offensive weapons in space, that culminated in the 1980s with Ronald Reagan's Strategic Defense Initiative. After the successful first launch in November of 1963, clandestine flight tests of Soviet killer satellites continued for most of the 1960s. In 1964, shortly before he was ousted from power, Khrushchev made the decision to terminate the UR-200 ICBM project in favor of the R-36 ballistic missile. As a result, the satellite killer spacecrafts needed a new launch vehicle. On November 1st of 1968, the Soviets succeeded with an actual intercept and the destruction of a specially designed target satellite in orbit. However, it would take another five years before the anti-satellite system entered experimental service and another whole decade before it was fully operational. By 1978, a converted R-36 ICBM topped with the satellite killer reportedly could be rolled out to the launch pad from its bunker in the Baikonur Cosmodrome, propped into a vertical position loaded with propellants and blasted off toward its target in just an hour and a half. But on August 18, 1983, the Soviet leader, Yuri Andropov, suddenly declared an end to test, apparently as a gesture of goodwill in the midst of an escalating Cold War. Yet, behind the scenes, engineers continued working on further improvements to the operational satellite killers, as well as on much bigger and frightening projects. The upgraded anti-satellite system, codenamed IS-MU, was capable of chasing enemy satellites even if they tried avoidance maneuvers. It was declared operational in 1991. Just two years later, as the Cold War wound down, the cash-strapped government led by the Russian president, Boris Yeltsin, pulled the plug on the system. Around the same time, the first photo showing the satellite killer was finally published, 
taking the official veil of secrecy off the project. to this archive episode of the Space Rocket History Podcast. If you are financially able, please support the podcast by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks.